0: It is now time for Karan Key to take over and it's time to travel. Thanks, Naledi. On the show tonight, we'll be chatting about Route 67 in Port Elizabeth, getting the latest on the upcoming Cape Town Cycle Tour, sailing in the Baltic with Kerry Harvey, and finding out about the Impey Challenge. But right now, it's time for the news with Zodwa Makwena. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader.
1: Top stories at nine. Cape Town Cycle Tour shortened, and the US is working on a deal with Iran. Good evening. The Cape Town Cycle Tour, the largest of its kind in the world, will be shortened after fires swept across the Cape Peninsula. A number of roads associated with the 109-kilometer route remain closed to traffic since the fires started on Sunday and will be cut out of bounds for cyclists. The, the tour director, David Bales, says the route will be shortened to 47 kilometers. He says it has become clear that the safety of cyclists cannot be guaranteed on Chapman's Peak. An estimated 35,000 cyclists are expected to start the race on on Sunday morning. Security Minister David Machrobo has brushed aside an opposition's call to resign, this over the jamming of the cell phone signal during the State of the Nation address. He says he cannot be held responsible for what he's called an operational error. Machrabo has told the National Assembly that since he did not order the signal blocking, the call is irrelevant. DA Member of Parliament David Mania, who likened the state security agency to East Germany's notorious Stasi, insisted that the minister bore ultimate responsibility. Both Machrobo and Deputy President Cyril Ramaphosa repeatedly invoked the sub Judas rule as a reason not to answer a raft of questions on the tumultuous opening of Parliament. The Gauteng government says it's working with the national government on recommendations made by a provincial panel looking into the impact of e-tolls on motorists. It was reacting to a DA picket outside the premier's office in Johannesburg. The party accused the premier of failing to fulfill promises he made to motorists regarding e-tolls. Premier's spokesperson, Thabo Masebe. As
2: far as the issue of e-tolls is concerned, The premier indicated that uh, there is uh, relief coming to the people of Houten, that government has listened to their concerns, and it is acting on the recommendations of the panel. Uh, Both the provincial government and the national government are
3: agreed on the need to
2: act on the recommendations of the panel, and we see this as victory for the people of Houten.
1: The DA in the Western Cape says it's within its constitutional right to call Provincial Police Commissioner Arno Lemur to answer questions relating to last month's State of the Nation address. Lemur appeared before the Provincial Community Safety Committee today. The ANC has criticised the move, saying provincial authorities could not account on national matters. DA Chief Whip in the province, Mike Willey.
2: As far as policing is concerned, I would refer them to Chapter 206
4: of the National Constitution, which clearly states what are the powers of the provincial legislatures relating to the police. And there's only one other aspect that needs to be brought to their attention as well, and that there is no differentiation between a national or a provincial policing entity. There is only a national
1: policing entity with provincial managers. South Africa's oldest building, the Castle of Good Hope, is being renovated at a cost of 108 million rand. The project will improve the roof and walls of the 349-year-old building. Renovations will take nearly two years. Efforts are underway to have the historic building declared a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Deputy Defence Minister Gebi Mapadzwe has welcomed the facelift.
5: The plans that we have started now is to get a team of professors together working with the castle control board and the Department of Defense and Military Veterans and make sure that we make the castle as it must look like Robin Island as a world heritage site. So there's a process that we have started with the CEO here.
1: U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry has been has given assurances regarding negotiations with Iran over its nuclear program. He says any deal will include measures to verify that the Iranians are adhering to the, the agreement. The BBC's Barbara Plett Usher is traveling with Kerry. The Secretary of State said negotiators would not be distracted by external politics, but he was clearly responding to the Israeli Prime Minister's criticisms. Mr. Kerry said any acceptable agreement would have to grant the intrusive inspections needed to confirm that Iran's nuclear program was peaceful, and it would have to be sustainable over time. We still don't know if Iran can agree to that kind of deal, he said, but we have to try. According to a senior U.S. official, the aim is to reach a political understanding by the end of the month, not necessarily a formal preliminary deal, and then fill in technical details by the end of June. Recapping the top story at 9, the Cape Town Cycle Tour, the largest of its kind in the world, will be shortened after fires swept across the Cape Peninsula. For SFM News, I'm Zota Mugwena.
0: Time to travel with Karin Key. And a very good evening to you, and welcome to this week's edition of Time to Travel. On the show this evening, I'll be chatting with Lynn Haller, operations manager of Umzansi Africa Tours, about Route 67 in Port Elizabeth. And that's an exciting trail that combines the best elements, both historical and modern day, of the people and culture of the Eastern Cape. Travel writer Kerry Harvey spent some time sailing through the Baltic Sea, and she'll be on the line to tell us all about that. And you might have heard that the South Peninsula area of Cape Town has been battling raging fires since Sunday morning, and yesterday was actually officially declared the hottest day in 100 years, with the temperatures rising to the mid-40s. And it was absolutely unbearably hot yesterday. So the Cape Town cycle tour, previously known as the Argus, is set to take place on Sunday and the route has historically taken in Chapman's Peak and winding around the coast. And all of this part of Cape Town has been ravaged by fire. And I'll be speaking to David Belay as a director Director of the Cape Town Cycle Tour Trust about the new plans for Sunday, and we'll also be talking about the cycle tour in general and what's going to be happening then. And then Nikki Andrew, Marketing Manager of the Impi Challenge, will be joining me, and I'll be chatting with her about this adrenaline charged experience. And then just like my Law Report and Health Matters programs, there's now a short list of available documents for Time to Travel. You can find them on Facebook. Just go to Travel on SAFM. And if you'd like any of them, post a message there. But please do remember to include your email address so I can send them to you. Well, that's the lineup for this evening. I do hope you'll stay with me and enjoy the show here on SAFM. Time to Travel with and Key. Well, watched over by a metal cutout of Nelson Mandela, Route 67 in Port Elizabeth is an exciting trail that combines the best elements, both historical and modern day, of the people and culture of the Eastern Cape. It also pays tribute to Madiba's 67 years of service to South Africa. Well, to tell us more, I'm joined now by Lynn Haller, Operations Manager of Umzansi Africa Tours. Lynn, good evening. Welcome to the show. Good evening, Karin. Well, reading through what is on offer on Route 67, I was surprised that not too many people seem to know about this.
4: Yeah, it is a, a reasonably, well, I say new. It's not so new, but, um, you know, not everybody is uh, into the art. Um, but if you are, it is a brilliant walk. And what I do on my Art Route 67 is I do also include a bit of the um Early history of Port Elizabeth because there are also monuments and beautiful statues in that in the center of Port Elizabeth that also form part of that art. So I just, you know, combine it all. But it is a beautiful walk from the Campanile starting, you know, in Strand Street in Port Elizabeth and winding its way up onto the Donkin and, and into Central Bird Street, etc.
0: Well, I was going to say, when you mentioned art, I was going to say, gosh, I've been looking through the program, and there's a whole lot more than just the art. There's mm. so many things to see that I mm. don't think a lot of people are even aware of all these things.
4: No, they aren't, eh? I think we need to market it a bit more and, you know, um, sort of make people aware of what there is out there to see, and, and it's interesting the whole they they've done a fantastic job of um, with all these beautiful art pieces.
0: Well I mean just one thing is, is start quite near the start because you can say that you can start your journey in the Duncan reserve at Belmont terrace and there's the old lighthouse there and the mm. terraced cottages and mm. all sorts of old victorian churches mm. and there's all of that the architecture and the whole architecture yeah. the architecture in yeah, mm,
4: Port Elizabeth is fantastic we've got mm. such a wide variety um, of architecture in Port Elizabeth, and, and, and it is amazing, and it's a huge door card, you know, for, uh, for our
0: visitors that come to Port Elizabeth. And the one thing I really didn't know was that you have the largest South African flag in the world.
4: Yes. yes. Where, where is that? <laughs> yes, it is the largest. Where is and that? It, and that's on a hilltop on somewhere. Duncan, mm. on the Duncan, and our soldiers from the Prince Alfred Guard Uh, In Central, um, they're about two blocks away and they um, march through in the morning and they hoist this flag, uh, obviously with the help of a um, mechanism, it's it's all motorised, and then at about three o'clock in the afternoon they, they drop the flag again. Um, and sometimes when it's very really windy, they have to drop it earlier because of the damage so to big. the flag you know, it costs the fortune sure. to repair, of course.
0: I mentioned at the very beginning that there's a large metal cutout of Nelson Mandela. It, it's mm. very symbolic, this yes. piece of art. Tell me a little bit about that.
4: Yes, it's, it's, a, it's a lovely cutout. It's done with a laser cut. And it's a, a Mandela standing, you know, with his arm raised. And, of course, with the children next to him. And it forms the voting uh, uh, line. So you've got Mandela standing, um, and you've got the children. He always has children with him, mm. with the doves of peace. And then this line uh, wends its way around the side of um, the walkway, and it's people of all walks of life. But it's all done in this laser print, and it's brilliant the way it's done because you can actually see um, the, the, the different people. We've got Google in the wheelbarrow, you know, being pushed along to the voting row. We've got child playing on the uh, on the ground. Uh, with their parents, you know, all in the vote, you know, and it's it's really um, beautifully
0: done. So this basically represents the first democratic election in right. 1994. Yes. And the one thing that absolutely fascinates me are these silver pipes that you've got.
4: <laughs> yes, that represents um, the stream of um, the Donkin Street. It represents the flow of the water, um, and it does when the wind blows in a, in a certain direction. You can, it's it sings through those
0: pipes. Sure. That must be so unique. I don't think I've ever heard of anything like that anywhere else.
4: Yeah, no, no. It is beautiful. And um, what I also like is the, the whole mosaic picture next to the pyramid. Uh, and, and to really uh, see it, uh, if you climb up the lighthouse, which costs five rand. Wow. You climb up to the top of the lighthouse and you get this beautiful view of this mosaic. But when I take my visitors there, I explain the whole mosaic to them, because it all tells a story. Uh, it starts off with the picture of uh, um, Elizabeth Duncan, and you've got the, the first circle is your um, ethnic groups that were here, you know, in, in South Africa originally, and then it goes on to the landing of the settlers. You've got the Chapman and pictures of the settlers on the, you know, with the ox wagons, um, then we go on to agriculture farming. We go on to our... Uh, fruit and vegetable producing, we go on to our motor industry, uh, we go on to our um, shipping, and then it ends off with our wildlife, our so, animals.
0: So people who think all Port Elizabeth is about is the wind, there's a whole lot more to pee oh, no, than the wind. no,
4: no, no. We've got lots to offer. <laughs>
0: lots and lots to offer. It sounds amazing. So, now just tell me about this route itself. It's right, you, you actually, Mzansi Africa Tours does the route, so people mm. can book with you to do this. Yes. I'll give out the numbers and everything at the end of this, but when is the best time to come and do this now, Lynn?
4: Um, Well, any time. You know, I get people, I get students um, come in. We do it in the morning. I would say morning is probably better than in the afternoon somehow. I don't know why,
0: but we do it in the afternoon as well. Any time of year, though?
4: Yes, yes. Oh no, Any time of the year.
0: No problem. Okay. And how long does this take if you want to do the whole thing? Is it one of those things almost like a hop-on-hop-off bus where you can stop and start? No, no, we
4: start off. If they come with... um, uh, if there's more than, you know, if it's a group, then I always ask them to be dropped at the Campanile. And we start at the Campanile, um, and then we ask the bus to wait at the Duncan. And then what we do is we start at the Campanile, and we walk up up onto the uh, Vasili mini-square um, and look at all those art pieces, look at the buildings, you know, talk about all that. Then we go up past St. Mary's Church, up the steps. We go along to on the left-hand side to um, White Street to show them the taxi artwork on the wall on on the uh, of, of of White Street itself, and then we come back. We go up um, onto the Donkin. We walk up the steps over the voting marks, which is crosses on the walkway uh, with names, which were people that they just took off the street in 1994 and asked them to come. And, you know, for the first uh, voting, but I mean, this was, of course, done a long time after that. But they asked them to just put their names there. So it's just random people that they took off the street when they did the artwork to just uh, put their names there to um, symbolize the democracy. And that winds your way up, and then we're up on the Duncan. we look at all the various artworks there, Um, and then we we look at the mosaic, and you've got the, the lady with the chair, which is a kind of conversational piece. Um, and the the voting row, there's, there's so much to see there. So I would say uh, I normally bank on, like, two hours.
0: That's two hours doable. Do yeah. walk. So it's sort of a morning, Yes. you know, or so afternoon. Starts, like,
4: Usually, like, 10 o'clock, finish at 12 o'clock. But, nice. you know, I'm flexible, you know. If, uh, it depends on... Uh, I have groups coming in and they want to do it from 11 o'clock and then finish and have a lunch at the Phoenix Hotel, you know. So, I mean, it's... Um, Really, i just accommodate the folk as and when they, they would like to do it.
0: And the Phoenix, I mean, that dates back to 1837. So yes, I mean, the history is hotel, just hey? fabulous. I mean, all the, yes. it, it must be an amazing sort of step back in history almost. Yes, it is. It's amazing. I
4: had a lovely huge group from America a couple of weeks ago and uh, we did the walk onto the Donkin, and we went down to the Phoenix for, for a lunch afterwards. And it, they absolutely were amazed. They were absolutely amazed. It just finished it off, mm, you know.
0: Mm, it sounds absolutely amazing. But now, mm. what else does Zimzansi Africa Tours? What else do you do?
4: We, um, Colin, we run tours through throughout South Africa, overland tours. And um, we do actually quite a variety of things. Um, we, I do, I specialize in designing tours, um, especially for folks.
0: Okay, uh, so you can actually help somebody just to, to make up their own tour, whatever yes, they want so to. Yes, and also I've got oh, so many nice.
4: days and I want to do, uh, say, see the garden route. Mm-hmm. Or I want to see, I want to do from Janusburg to Cape Town. I've got so many days. I've got a budget of so much. This is what I like. I want to see animals, animals, animals. Or I don't want to see animals. I just want culture, uh, you know, cultural, uh, um, interesting activities. Or I want adventure, whatever they want. And then I design a tour for them. So they've been getting the tour they want. It's, it's private exclusive. It obviously costs a little bit more because now you're not sharing with a group of mm. people. I get a lot of private groups, like a, a group of six or eight friends that come out or families, and they come out in a group and then uh, and do the tour. We've had quite a few of those. And, of course, we do the self-drives as well, um, guided and self-drives. We do a lot of day tours. My husband and I are both um, uh, qualified guides, professional guides. My husband uh, is born in Linz, so he does a lot of the German and English
2: tours, Mm -hmm.
4: but he's a national guard. And I'm Eastern and Western Cape, but I do mainly a lot of the local tours because of my office. So I sort of like to be around a bit more, you know? Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I do a lot of the day tours in and around Port Elizabeth. And, of course, I'm very much involved with the Heritage Trust, Mandela Bay Heritage Trust and the Historical Society. And so, yeah, I just love my city and I love showing it off.
0: I love, um, it. I love it when people love their city And are passionate about what's there And yes. I'm so delighted that I found you And all these amazing things on Route 67 And I hope mm. more people come and visit PE And go and have a look Because yes. it's not, as I said It's not something that that many people I don't think know about this particular route And I think because of the heritage And the amazing things on the route It's something we all should be doing It should be mm. on our bucket list for 2015 Yes, no, absolutely, absolutely. It's been wonderful chatting with you Thank you so much yes. indeed for your time this evening Yes,
4: and Karen, if you're ever here in Port Elizabeth. Give me a shot. I'll take you to Route 67. I
0: would love to see it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lynn. Have a good evening. Thank you
4: very much. Thank you.
0: Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Lynn Haller is Operations Manager of Umzansi Africa Tours. And if you'd like to find out more information, especially about Route 67, really sounds like something we all should be planning on doing, you can take a look at the website. It's www.umzansi.co.za, or you can call them on 041-379-1629. Time to travel with and Key. Well, the MP Challenge is an adrenaline-charged experience for anyone, young and old, a variety of athletes and families, pretty much, as I said, for anyone. Well, to tell us more, I'm joined now by Nikki Andrew, Marketing Manager for the MP Challenge. Nikki, good evening. Welcome to the show. Good evening. Thank you so much for having me. This sounds like quite the adventure. It is indeed.
6: It is an exciting adventure, and as you quite rightly said, it is suitable for almost anyone.
0: So tell me about this. It's a trail run with obstacles and things. I know
6: it sounds crazy. <laughs> it doesn't does it? rather. <laughs> well, trail running is just a beautiful experience. If you um are li- if you like to walk in the mountain, or if you like to just um, have a nice run in nature, and then we've thrown in some exciting obstacles. And the idea behind that is just to get people playing again. I mean, we don't really want to be all sweaty and revolting all the time. We do want to have some fun and forget that we are actually exercising as well.
0: The thing about the MP Challenge, you know, I was reading some information about it, and it sounds like a wonderfully fun day out, but there's a whole lot more to it because it almost makes you face the obstacles possibly, and you can relate them to things in your life. Um, And I'm sure a lot of people will look at some of them and think, well, I I don't think I can do that, and then find that they actually can.
6: Absolutely, 100% right. Um, And that is what is beautiful about the MP Challenge itself. It is very unusual um, and very different to a lot of other obstacle events that are out there in that the MP is more about getting people to do things together in a team, to work through those things that one can find difficult or challenging. We all are different. So different things um, are are difficult for each one of us I mean what I find easy you might find quite difficult and so we help each other through it and we build on those friendship and create those memories while completing something that is a challenge I mean it's not very easy it will challenge you on many different levels but it is doable it's not so difficult that you can't
0: do it now you said it's part of a team but you can also enter individually and then you just become part of the bigger team on the day
6: you can do that as well Um, We have quite a few people that enter in twos and then obviously massive teams as well. We have a lot of companies that come and do it because of the team aspect and and the, the different dynamic that evolves
0: from that. And if you start as a team, I mean, you don't have to wait for all perk like me coming up at the back. You can just carry on going.
6: <laughs> no, uh, definitely not. You, you don't have to um, start and finish as a team, but uh, most team members do want to do it together. But if you're just doing it for fun with a friend, um, you guys can choose to stay together or not. Um, It's just something to go through and have fun doing.
0: So when you talk about this being challenging and quite difficult in parts, is this suitable for families with children? I mean, could the children do this?
6: Well, I I shouldn't actually say this, but my son has done the 5K challenge before, and he's only 10.
0: Oh, wow, okay.
6: (laughs) So our challenge is for um, 10 and up. And so a lot of parents do that with their, with their children. And then we also have a one-care circuit for the 6- to 10-year-olds. Oh, sweet. So oh, the, that's, the, fantastic. that's fantastic. That's what gets
0: get them into the whole sort of swing of things, and they also feel like they've done something.
6: Well, they find it quite easy. It's us, You we find it quite difficult.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's always the way, you know. It's always <laughs> the way. Just give us some idea, maybe just one thing of a challenge. What sort of thing are we looking at here?
6: difficult because on the challenge route there are quite a few different um obstacles. I mean we've got literally about oof, ten to twenty obstacles going. Um one of the th- some people find dirt quite challenging.
2: Oh,
6: I kid okay. you not, they don't want to be muddy. Ooh, oh I'm gonna get wet. Ooh, I'm gonna be dirty. <laughs> so that's something quite benign mm-hmm. but some people do find that quite something to get okay. over. Um others um, there is the spur leap effect. Which is a four meter high platform that you jump off into water. Really?
0: Okay. So it's not mm-hmm. difficult. It's I'll watch. Okay.
6: Stepping off into space. <laughs> I'll, I'll,
0: I'll be watching. Okay.
6: Then we also have the Mitsubishi mud pit. So you need to go underneath low slung barbed wire through mud. So you really need to get down and dirty and, and squelchy.
0: And Nikki, sorry, we did say this was a fun thing. <laughs>
6: It is fun. There's quite a lot of um, over and under obstacles. You need to do a bit of climbing and all of that type of thing. So we use a lot of natural obstacles, some man-made. There's just such a variety of things to, to go through. It's, it's so fun. You never know what's going to be around the next corner.
0: And as we, you know, how long does this take? I mean, if you're going to do the course, how long does the course take?
6: Well, depending on the distance you choose, because we've got a five k route, a ten k route, and then a twenty k route. But I would say. Um, Sure. It's quite difficult, depends how fit you are really
0: Okay, so I would take a day and a half all right?
6: <laughs> no, definitely not I mean our elite athletes, they, they do the 20k route And that is really for the super fit And they probably take about 2.5 to 3 hours to do that 20k route But for um, a normal challenge person that does 10k It takes about 3 hours And it's not 3 hours of running I promise you I was going
0: to ask you, how <laughs> fit do you actually have to be to do this?
6: Well, we have a lot of run-walk-for-life people that also um, participate because it's quite an achievement to work up towards something. Um, So they generally walk and run, and they do the five days in about two hours. Some just purely walk the route. So as long as you can do that safely,
0: I would say you're fine. Now, when you do things like this, and they're fabulous for corporate team building and that sort of thing, is there a sense of competition in this at all?
6: Times We've had quite a few interdepartmental competitions going on with uh, the sales people against the accounts department, uh, for okay. example, you can just imagine. Mm. So, <laughs> but it's not so easy to see who will win because the accounts department are used to working together quite well as opposed to the sales, which are trying to overachieve with their commissions. So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it works out quite interestingly, I must say.
0: And the interesting thing I was actually having a look is one of the things that you do is your… Social initiatives, you've got some amazing things that you're supporting.
6: We support quite a few different things because mm. we we have got such a cross-section of society that participate. Um, one of the big projects that we do is called the Shoe Power Initiative, um, and that involves people who want to donate their used running shoes. We clean them up after the event, and then we pass them on to um, poorer communities. And the interesting thing, is, and really heartwarming thing for us, is that some. People, those are the only shoes they ever receive. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, last year we managed to donate um, 1,300 pairs, which was really fantastic. And then um, we have the Woodside Special Care Centre, which is a centre for uh, mentally and physically challenged adults as opposed to children, um, which is quite, quite tricky for the adults to get that funding. Mm. So we've chosen to support them. And then a new one for us is the Pebbles Project, which actually supports children from um, the farming community. And because both of our events in Johannesburg and Cape Town are in farm areas, um, that's really a project that's close to our heart as well. Is that
0: the Fetal Alcohol Syndrome Project?
6: Well, it's called the People's Project. Mm. So it's it's people, farm workers and their children, how to really empower them through Mm. education and health, um, uh, protecting the kids, um, nutrition. So it's it's a five-pronged project, so it's quite, comprehensive we like
0: that you mentioned Johannesburg and Cape Town Um, when how often do you have these and when is the next one
6: well we have four MPs per year two in Gauteng and two in Cape Town the first one is the 14th of March which is next weekend Saturday in Joburg so we're really excited for that and then the next one in Gauteng will be August and then Cape Town will be 11th and 12th of April and then again in October
0: so they have, people have lots of opportunities to go off and do these absolutely. things. Absolutely.
6: You can do it twice a
0: year. Gosh. I, I, do you have <laughs> a lot of people coming back?
6: All the time. They absolutely love it. I mean, if you look on our Facebook page, you'll see we had uh, Yanez Vermeering and Lunga Shabalala from the Man Cave. They competed in the Ghateng, um in September last year. They absolutely raved about it. They said, we've never done anything like this before. It's one of the most fun, exciting things we've ever done. There is nothing like this. So people just rave about it and they come back again and again just bring more and more friends so
0: it's great. <laughs> i suppose it's quite a nice thing to compete against your friends you know
6: oh, oh you didn't compete but it is it is fun and you end up laughing so much oh, that's what i find you just laugh so much you end up falling off after things
0: how often have you done it
6: i've actually done all of them except the last three okay yeah yeah and i'm not i'm not super fit either
0: Okay, and you um, didn't mind getting a
6: bit of a like a runner for fitness, I'm and,
0: not... you, and you didn't mind getting all muddy and jumping into space. I oh, know, I
6: loved it. It was so much <laughs> fun because you just you just
0: feel like you're playing. Oh gosh, that's too... <laughs> <laughs> as I said, I'm actually very good at some watching.
6: <laughs> but watching is also great. We've got a spectator route incident. the It's about a uh, oh, days long, and you can come and watch, and it's a lot of fun. We've okay. got a festival area, so you can have some food and.
2: Yeah,
0: great. Okay, because I, I like the watching thing. I'm, actually, I'm, very good at, I'm very good at that. I could get a gold medal for watching. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nikki, this sounds amazing. And if people are wanting to take part, is the next Johannesburg one, is that full now? Or?
6: No, we're still taking entries. We even take entries on the day.
0: So how do people book if they want to come along?
6: They can go to our website, uh, which is um, mpchallenge.ca.ca. And there's a big fat green button on that page that says get your MP ticket. So.
0: so it's pretty simple. Very simple. Okay, and then all the dates and everything else are all on there. So if people or want to book there. in advance, yeah. and you said um, Johannesburg coming up next, and then Cape Town after that. Sorry, when was yeah. the Cape Town one now?
6: Cape Town is 11th and 12th of April.
0: Okay, so there's a few weeks still away. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so they've got time if they want to think about it and put a team together. But as you said, you yeah. can take two, I mean, two people can go, a couple can go and do this.
6: Oh, yeah, all the time. I mean We've had one couple. They're so fantastic, and they dress up so beautifully as well. Every year, they've done every single MP. It's incredible. I actually said to them last year, I have to give you free tickets because this is
0: getting ridiculous. (laughs) Nice (laughs) to see them enjoying it. They should just tell them to bring some more people with them next time. Oh, they just love it. They're so sweet together. I love them. That's amazing. Nikki, it's been wonderful chatting with you. I hope people out there who didn't know about the MP Challenge now feel that they should go and do this because it sounds like a whole lot of fun. I
6: think they should. I mean, many people are quite daunted by obstacle Hmm. racing. It looks all hardcore and tattooed people. Yes. The women have biceps and... (laughs) Six packs and scary yeah. things, but the MP is not quite so so hardcore. We have a, quite a few tough sections, but it's you, do, you can do it.
0: Well, maybe that should be a bucket list thing to do this year. <laughs>
6: Definitely,
0: absolutely, and don't mind about the mud.
6: Don't mind about the mud; it's part yeah.
0: of the fun. Uh, just the jumping off into space thing worries me a little bit, but <laughs> the mud the mud wouldn't faze me. So. Well, it's, not space. it's only space? meters I mean, really. oh right yes I, I fall <laughs> off a step you know so it's <laughs> maybe I'll think about that but it sounds great Nikki thank you so much for joining me and telling me all about that it really was great I was great enjoyed that really thank you very much oh it's a pleasure thank you so much for having me only a pleasure enjoy the rest of your evening thank you so much thanks Nikki bye 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 Nikki Andrew is marketing manager for the MP Challenge and for more information as she said you can take a look at the website it's www.mp that's I <laughs>
5: Time to travel with car and key.
0: We were hoping to is well, speak with David Belez, you might have heard that the South Peninsula area of Cape Town has been battling raging fires since Sunday morning and yesterday was officially declared the hottest day in 100 years with temperatures rising to the mid-40s. Well, the Cape Town Cycle Tour, previously known as the Argus, is set to take place on Sunday and the route has historically taken in Chapman's Peak and then wound around the coast and all of this part of Cape Town has been ravaged by the fire so there's quite a lot of changes coming for Sunday. I'm joined now by David Belez. He's a director of the Cape Town Cycle Tour trust david good evening welcome to the show
5: good evening great to be with you
0: rather a sad day today david
5: it is it's it's been a tough week um not only for ourselves as the cycle tour but for the residents of the southern peninsula it's been it's been really difficult and um some tough decisions that we had to make
0: so what actually is happening now on sunday it's normally the 109k it's not that now anymore
5: well, we've, we've had to look at our route options. We've had to look at what's available to ourselves. Uh, and then we've had to consider the safety of not only the cyclists, but the residents of the Southern Peninsula in light of what's happening. And on the basis of that, we've decided rather than cancel the cycle tour, we are going to host uh, what we're calling a solidarity ride, Show UK solidarity ride uh, from Cape Town down the Blue Route uh, to the end of the M3 turnaround back to Cape Town and finishing outside the Cape Town Stadium, very close to the traditional finish, which will give the riders a 47-kilometre ride.
0: So unfortunately, they're not going to get all that beautiful scenery on Chapman's Peak and round sort of uh, down into the deep south, as we call it here. That's all right. going to be. But, but that's it's too for people who don't understand why you've done it. Um, it's dangerous now. I mean, Chapman's Peak, for example, all the safety netting has, has been destroyed in the fire.
5: Well, what, what we know at the moment is that there are, there, I mean, if we talk about the beautiful scenery, most of the beautiful scenery is been wiped out mm-hmm. other than the sea. Yes. Um, so Chapman's Peak has been destroyed. Oak which we were on earlier today, has been destroyed. Large swathes of the route that we would traditionally ride through is literally barren uh, moonscape. Um, and if we can't guarantee the safety of cyclists either on Okaf-Servech, which is our detour route, or Chapman's Peak, our traditional route, then we need to come up with an alternative solution, and this is the solution we believe will work. It doesn't place a burden on the folk living in the South Peninsula. It means that they can still... Get in and out and understand that there are still fires burning mm. in certain parts of the
0: peninsula. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I live quite close to where the fire's been going on, and it, we thought it was all dampened down a little bit yesterday afternoon. But by last night, it had flared up again, and that was when a lot of of damage was done last night. And this is the thing with the mountain fires: is that they come and go. You think you've just got it, and then suddenly something will flare.
5: Well, it was. I mean, it yeah. was frightening. I woke up in the middle of last night with that wind blowing. Mm and suddenly realized what had, what had been a, a fire that was reasonably under control was now suddenly well out of control. And you know, it, it would be negligent of us to put that number of people into the Deep South, understanding that it's not only the cyclists, there yes. are residents who are affected.
0: And that's all the emergency right. vehicles are still in the yeah. area, too. So yeah, that's it. You know, it's yeah. not, it's not uh, great. Uh, the thing that worries me about this, though, David, is there's so many people come to Cape Town for this, and it's such a big event. Um, are you foreseeing possibly people saying, Well, I'm not coming now, it's only 47?
5: Well, uh, yes, there are possibly going to be people who opt not to come down. We hope that they embrace the spirit of what this is now, and that is a solidarity ride for the people that have been affected by the fires. Um, th- we had one of two options, uh, either we cancelled or we put on something that would allow people to take to the streets in a show of solidarity. It's going to be a great day out of riding. You can now go out and do 50 kilometres of the M3 on closed roads and show that you actually are behind the, the folk that have been out there fighting the fires, the folk that have been affected by the fires. And and we're hoping through the initiative to raise some additional money for the uh, volunteer wildfire services and certainly sandparks who have suffered heavily.
0: Well, the volunteer wildfire services have been phenomenal throughout this horrific time. I mean, those guys have been out on the line literally almost 24-7. It's been quite phenomenal.
5: Uh, It it, it has been absolutely incredible. One cannot praise not only volunteer wildfire services, but all the other volunteers that Mm. have been up on the mountains dedicating their time, uh, their energy, and themselves literally laying themselves on the line. It's
0: been phenomenal. Now, what about the, there's normally a pro race, though? A professional race takes part as part of this. What happens to well, that now?
5: Well, that's not the next step. We've, obviously, our first concern is for the 35,000 riders mm. that are participating. The, the race is an element that takes place on the front with a couple of hundred riders. Uh, we are hoping that they will embrace this in as much as the, the recreational riders will at the back. We are going to offer them the race on the front. We will be broadcasting that live, and we certainly hope that they'll come out and support it. Um, and uh, we'll be in touch with some of those teams tomorrow and some of the riders. We I know we've got Mark Cavendish who has landed in South Africa. Oh wow! Okay. And uh, we're hoping that that he will participate. Um, but again, these are things that are unfolding literally as we speak.
0: And is, what happens to the start time? Is that the same? Is it going to be a bit later? What's happening with that? Anything changing in that regard?
5: No, no, we'll keep the start times. The logistics around rolling 35,000 people off the start are significant. So we're keeping that exactly as planned. Uh, People will start at 6.15, or the the elites will start at 6.15, and we'll roll that out until 10 o'clock. The only difference is that the, the, the leaders, the winners, will probably come in in a time of just under an hour. Um, which means they'll be sitting, having coffee at the finish line, <laughs> while there's still another three hours of us waiting to start down on the portal.
0: This will be quite off-putting, you know, I think, gosh, you've already done this. I haven't even left it. <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, in the old days, when, when the detour route was 114k, yes, um, there was still, by the time the winner came in, there was still another hour of people waiting to start oh. to 114k. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it's going to be significantly different. Um, this these are, these are unusual circumstances. We are, this is, it's a tragic situation. We're having to try and adapt this in, in the best interest of all. This isn't only about the bike race. This is about, it, it is about the people of the Western Cape. And let's understand that there are huge segments of the community in the Deep South that get out and support this event. Mm. I, I'm not sure that it would be the right thing to do be uh, charging into their backyards right in the middle of a of a crisis the likes of which has been unfolding
0: have was there ever the thought of possibly just cancelling the whole thing there
5: was uh that was certainly one of the options on the table um understanding that there are thousands of people that have traveled from across the world four thousand international participants seven thousand people that are coming down from johannesburg Uh, We believe that maybe the opportunity was to afford them this ride which we're giving them, which is down the M3. Uh, If you choose to ride fast, you choose to ride fast, but we're hoping that cyclists will embrace it in the spirit in which it's intended. That's to show... As I say, solidarity with the folk of the Southern Peninsula who have suffered so so terribly over the last
0: couple of weeks. Well, I have to say, I was just saying to somebody before I came on air this evening that just watching my neighbors in the area, because we were right there, uh, restored my faith in humanity this week. Because what people were doing was just, it blew me away. And I honestly believe that come Sunday, the solidarity ride will be embraced by all who take part. Because, I mean, the spirit of people this week has just been amazing.
5: I think as South Africans, we, we, we tend to do that when, when w- you know, we come together as a community across South Africa uh, when times are tough. And this is certainly one of those occasions, and we, we've seen that year in and year out here in the Cape, that we, we come together as a community. And I, I really hope, I really hope that cyclists from across South Africa will embrace this as an opportunity to show that we do care, that we really do. And and it, it's tragic. I, I was up on top of our cops of F today. Oh. It really is just mm. absolutely shocking uh, to see what's happened. I, I'm dreading getting on to Peak to see how badly... How badly burnt that is.
0: Well, I'm dreading going home this evening because last night when I came to work, it was just a faintly something, a little bit of smoke, and then when I went home, it was the, the mountain was burning, and I just oh. thought, oh, you know. Oh. And I'm sort of came in this evening and it looked quite clear, and I'm sort of dreading going home because I'm thinking if I've got to go down there and look at that again. It's going to totally just be oh. too much.
5: I'm I'm hoping for the sake of the guys that are out there working that, they, that this thing is now it kind of has been got the better of
0: well it, it hit uh, Cape point earlier today as well it's oh. sort of fled up in the in, in the reserve so but they yep. said they'd had that under control so hopefully and that's also you go past there would have gone past there on the cycle tour anyway so
5: yeah uh, um,
0: what about the life cycle expo is that all still happening from Everything tomorrow it's
5: still rolling uh, Lifecycle cycle expo opens tomorrow at 9:30 and we're expecting thousands of people to come through um, we've got the, the Kiddies Junior and Trike Tour happening down at Yansfield on um, on Saturday morning. Mm. And that's always a highlight. So, so everything else is still rolling out as planned. Uh, and, and obviously the logistics team are now having to put massive exercise in place to ensure that we can, we can manage the detour. And having that number of people in that shorter space of time on that route obviously presents its own challenges. And those are things that we're having to make sure we can cater for.
0: So you're going back and forth on the M3 because normally you just go one way down. You don't go back yeah. up again. Yeah.
5: Now we we haven't we have used the M3 in years past when mm. speak was closed. And we oh, right, used yes. The route. So, so there, there are logistical plans that have been tried and tested and, and those are what we're going to be rolling out again. But, you know, things have changed in the last 10 years since we last used the route like that. And we just need to make sure that we're, we're able to do that safely for or 35,000 people.
0: And we've finished now with the mountain bike challenges happened. How did that go?
5: Fantastic. It was it was super weekend. Nice and warm out in, in, in the Simonsburg Conservancy area. Um, but 4,000 mountain bikers had an absolute blast. Um, lovely cut route, lots of single track. Uh, and I think a huge success from, from a cycle tour
0: perspective. Before I let you go, David, I have to ask you, I, I spotted on the website that you've got the Cape Town Cycle Tour Heritage Memorabilia Request. What's that all about? Ah, <laughs>
5: what we're doing is we're appealing to people that have been involved in the cycle tour for many years, people that may go back to the very first cycle tour in 1978, and we're we're trying to put together a, a comprehensive history of the cycle tour. Um, and to that end, it's whether it's old medals, whether it's uh, all the entry stubs we've had a gentleman that actually has has got his original postal order stubs for the <laughs> entry in 1978. <laughs> So we're, we're slowly getting together the history of the tour and, and, and putting that together and keeping that so that in years to come people can enjoy you know how this thing started and where it came from.
0: So this isn't just until this year's rest. People can sort of submit stuff whenever.
5: Absolutely. We, we, will, we will continually engage with people over the years. And as stuff comes to light and as people decide that they no longer want to keep their, their own memorabilia, they can pass it on to us and it will be kept in safekeeping be shown in years to come to generations as we'll continue to enjoy the cycle for
0: I actually heard somebody on the radio the other day talking, I think this gentleman, he'd ridden every single Argus, well it was the Argus, it's now the Cape Town Cycle Tour, from the beginning and he was I think in, hitting 80 and he said he's not stopping anytime soon and then he said I thought this was hysterical, he said when he dies he wants his, he wants to be cremated and he wants his ashes to be put in the tyre of his friend's bicycle so he can still be, he can still in his words ride the Argus <laughs> <laughs>
5: I'm, I'm trying to think of which of the Magnificent Seven was yeah, the He man- was one same. of them,
0: yes he was, was one of the Magnificent <laughs> Seven, that's right, and he wasn't he said, "I'm never going to stop riding the Argus." He said, "You know, I'll be in somebody's tyre when I'm dead. I'll be in the ashes. Yeah. Will be in there."
5: So I think that's wonderful. I mean, that, you know, hats off to those guys that were around when it started. It was, it was, it was a tough event back then. It wasn't as easy as it is now, and the, the roads weren't as quite as pleasant as they are No.
0: The other thing about about the Cape Town Cycle Tour, though, it, it's very much a charity event in a lot of ways because a lot of the cyclists are riding for charity.
5: Well, it, it, it's a charity event in every, in every, every, sense, every yes. possible aspect, hmm. in that, that all the money that are raised as profits from the cycle so are applied back into cycling developments and, and charitable undertakings. And then add to that the 120-odd charities that have bought entries for which people have paid uh, over and above the normal price to raise money for whatever cause it happens to be. So whether it's cancer, whether it's eye uh, trans... Um, um, uh, Cataract operations, whether it's cliff pallets, there are a variety of charities that will be raising money for their causes over this weekend, and and that's huge. I mean, we estimate that in the order of thirty to forty million rand will be raised outside sure.
0: of David. Oh, oh dear. I think we've lost David, what a pity he was on a cell phone which has suddenly died um, we don't really have time to get him back now unfortunately but uh, thank you very much to David and he's a director of the Cape Town Cycle Tour Trust and as he said the route might be shortened for those of you coming down, those of you who are here in Cape Town the Cape Town Cycle Tour is going ahead it's a much shortened route this year but as I'm sure you understand from listening to that, that uh, there was just no way that they could go on the, on the planned route because Chapman's Peak, Silvermine, of it's it's literally, it's gone, there's just nothing Thing there. It's, it's burnt beyond recognition and it's, and it's dangerous just to add to it as well. So if you're in Cape Town, please go out and support the cyclists. It's going to be a solidarity ride. It's not going to be a race this time. It's going to be all being together, it's sort of in it together that's what it is, and supporting the good work that's been done by the volunteer wildfire services there have been, this week I can tell you absolutely phenomenal so if you're out in Cape Town, please go along the M3, it's all along the Blue Route from Cape Town all the way down to Takai, and then they turn around and they come back, but go out there and support them, they're out there, they're cycling for a good cause and for a good reason and it's, uh, it's one of those very good spirited things to go and do, so if you have time, go out there and support them and if you want more information, you can take a look at the website. It's cycletour.co.za and if you're one of those lucky riders who's got lots of old memorabilia hanging around, they'd love to hear from you and you can email them on heritage at Tell them what you've got. I'm sure they'd love to hear from you and also love to find out if you're willing to part with some of that that they can put on display. They're wanting to display all of that at the registration um, this year if you have some, but then obviously if you're not in time for this year's one, they'll put it up for next year. So get in touch with them on heritage at time to travel with Karin Key Kerry Harvey is back with us this evening and she's a travel writer who who manages to get to some absolutely fabulous places well she's recently been cruising in the Baltic Well, I mean, you know, we can't all be doing that, but she ended up going to some absolutely fabulous places. And when I saw where she'd been, I was green with envy because all these lovely historical places, old buildings, the history, just absolutely love that. But uh, she's joining us this evening to first of all tell us about her cruise. Kerry, good evening. Welcome to the show. Hi. So the cruising part, I'm not that jealous about, but the way you went, I'm very jealous about. We'll get to that later. Tell me about this cruise because it actually sounded fabulous. It
3: absolutely was fabulous um Karen, this was a this was aboard a ship called Windsurf, which is part of the Windstar fleet. And these are quite unusual ships. In fact, their um, they're sort of payoff line is 180 degrees from ordinary. And they are because they are very small in the scheme of um, cruise liners, very small ships, and they have sails. Um, now, you don't sail under sail literally all the time, um, but the sails do go up quite regularly. And it just feels like you've stepped back a few hundred years so it's it's quite a special way to travel, I must say.
0: So where exactly did you start?
3: We started in Stockholm we boarded there and um the trip lasted it was about a week's worth um, going you know relatively slowly through the the Baltic and the Gulf of Finland so it was stockholm we had a lovely um, day at sea on board the ship which is you know important to to have that experience as well because the ship is is most definitely a destination as well and onto St Petersburg in Russia for a couple of days and then back down to Helsinki in Finland and a quick nip across the water uh, to Tallinn which is the capital of Estonia and then back to Stockholm again so it was a circular trip.
0: So you went to some really special places. We're not going to talk about those tonight because there's too much information I want to ask you about. But I want to just really find out more about this cruise. The thing I found quite fascinating was, especially when you were in, in Stockholm, you went through the Stockholm Archipelago. And I mean, you, a lot of the times, not, not there, but also going into St. Petersburg, you were guided in by pilot boats, which makes me think it wasn't that big of a space that you were getting into.
3: We did actually go through some quite tiny spaces. In fact, um, probably the smallest of all was going into Helsinki, going in uh, where there was just a little bit of space on either side of the ship. But um, just to, to get back to the Stockholm archipelago, it was really unexpected for me. I mean, I'd heard about the Stockholm archipelago, and we think of the Bazaruto archipelago, which has four or five islands off Mozambique. But the Stockholm archipelago has 30,000 islands, which is, I mean, it's inconceivable to me. Some of them are just the you know, the size of a big rock, and they have a lighthouse on. Others, most of them, in fact, are proper little islands where you, with a house and a jetty and a boat in front, and others are much bigger islands. So it, it's absolutely spectacularly beautiful. And when you leave Stockholm by cruise ship, um, as we did on the route we were doing, we spent a full two hours going between these tiny islands which was just it was breathtaking everybody was on the deck of the ship and you know Literally rendered speechless, and just your question about the pilot. Yes, the pilot jumps on in Stockholm and actually navigates, takes the ship through all these tiny islands because obviously they're they're vastly differing water depths and submerged um, rocks and all sorts of things that you know he can he can navigate this passage in his sleep. Um, and then as we get out of the archipelago, he literally jumps ship. The pilot boat pulls up next to the cruise ship, and he swings from the cruise ship on, back onto his small boat, tiny boat, and off they go. Um, the sh- the main ship windsurf doesn't doesn't even slow down. Um, and that was something I'd never seen before.
0: You said that it was by the standards of ships, it was quite small. How many people, more or less, would you reckon do they take?
3: Ballpark about three hundred people. Um, And this, in fact, is one of the biggest ships in the Windstar fleet. So some of the others take just over 100, 150, 160, somewhere there. So, you know, when you know that some cruise ships take 7, 8, 9,000 people, they're really huge ones. I mean, this is absolutely tiny. But there's something I'd like to mention is that although, you know, there are 300 people on a small ship, it may all be relative, at no stage did you feel like you were crowded or did you even see many people? Even, you know, w- when you were dining, breakfast, lunch and dinner, it was never full. It was never over busy. Um, somehow there was always enough space for everybody and that, that was something, you know, quite special. In fact, on the last day, um, I was still meeting people I'd never seen before the whole previous week.
0: But there seemed lots to do on the ship, though. I like the fact that they have destination talks. They can tell you what's coming up and where you were going and the attractions and all that sort of thing. So there was a lot to do on the ship as well.
3: There was. And just to pick up on the destination talks, there were actually two variations on this. The one was the destination's manager on board the ship who tells you about the various tours that are on offer and coming up, you know, in the city that you're approaching, um, so you can make a wise and informed decision of what you want to see and do. And the other was an actual destination speaker that spoke generally about the history, mostly about the history um, of each city that we were going to, because you know each one is absolutely steeped in history. Um, so there's the option to go to that, and then while on board, and that's, that's actually the great thing about cruising, and especially when you have a full day at sea, which we did have on the second day, was that you have time just to enjoy the ship. And, um, you know, there's a, a shop on board, the signature gift shop, where you can buy keepsakes and and memorabilia. And there's a variety of different places to eat and to relax and just to kick back. And this ship, particularly, had lots of small private spaces where you know there was just a lounge or two lounges or an easy chair where you could you could sit and read or play games or you know catch up on email or whatever it was you wanted to do. And then, obviously, the, the little coffee shop. Espresso bar that served sandwiches and a really great library and DVD library as well. So this ship particularly encouraged conversation and relaxation. It wasn't it's not frenetic on board. I mean there there is a casino as well if you want to if you want to do that, but it just has a really really relaxing atmosphere which I found thoroughly enjoyable.
0: And relaxing is there a spa on board? Spa and fitness centre all?
3: there's that as well. So, yes, um, you know, your your day at sea or if you choose not to jump off on whichever city you're in, um, there are those options as well. Absolutely, yes.
0: What I liked, you were telling me about dinner, um, an open-air restaurant called Candles Restaurant. I, I rather like that sort of eating on the deck.
3: It's absolutely awesome and we ate there every chance we got because it's, you know, being in Northern Europe um, in their summertime, it gets dark incredibly late. Well, depending where you are, obviously the time changes slightly, but you know, sunset can be around 10 p.m. at night. So you you have a very very long sort of sunset or twilight time as well, which is awesome for eating outside for dining outside and um, this ca- candles restaurant was at the back of the ship which means it's also very sheltered so hardly a breeze even though the ship was going full steam so that was that was definitely the choice place
0: and meals on board was it sort of connected to where you were i mean did you have sort of food relevant to for example for stockholm or st petersburg or going off to the arctic was there any sort of change in the menu depending on your destination
3: there wasn't. The menus, the menus did stay the same, except for um, there was, they had a barbecue um, event on board, which was food from all around the world, really, that they were serving as accompaniments to, to the barbecue. But for the restaurants, they, th- their menus stayed standard throughout the cruise, but there were, you know, there were quite a few to choose from, so you definitely never get bored. Um, there were at least four or five dining options for you every night.
0: And what about sort of being on the ship now? Give us some tips on sort of travel tips. Do we need visas? What, what do we need if we want to do the same cruise?
3: If you're on a South African passport, you do need visas for, for everywhere. But um, on this this particular routing, um, a Schengen visa um, covers South African passport holders for Sweden, Denmark and Finland, um, sorry, and Estonia rather. And you do need a separate Russian visa if you want to be free to walk around and do as you please in Russia. Um, otherwise, if you don't have a Russian visa, you are allowed off the ship if you book on a Windstar cruise, a tour, a land tour, through the ship company. Um, that's the only way you're allowed. Often they are. The Russian authorities are very strict and stringent, and they have a customs office right at the ship. So it's advisable to have a to have a Russian visa so that you can be flexible and free to do as you please, tours or not.
0: Oh, I tell you, that, that is my destination of choice. My bucket list destination is to go off to St. Petersburg and Moscow. And and I know specifically wanted to go to the Hermitage Museum, which was the Winter Palace of the Tsar back in the day. But I know that if you just wander and pitch up there on your own, you could stand in the queue for the entire day. So for those listening, if ever you go there, you can apparently book online. So I, I suggest you do that before you leave or join one of these shore excursions if you're going to be cruising, because I'm sure they will have made some sort of arrangement that you won't have to stand in the queue how often do they do this particular route kerry
3: they do it um during the summer months it's a circular trip so that so they pretty much dock in stockholm um stay for a day the ship gets cleaned and and prepared um for the next group boarding and off they go again so you know the all the all the big and um, astute cruise lines all choose the best weather as a priority for where they where their destinations are so this i understand is is definitely midsummer and um, because of course these places get really really cold the rest of the year i'm
0: sure they do so kerry what else did you do while you were on board there it sounds of like, first of all you had a relaxing time but what else did you do on there
3: um Karen, something that i said i really enjoyed um is that windstar has an open bridge policy so the bridge door is literally open um, all the time unless of course you going into port or, or out of port where the you know the captain needs to navigate but you can step inside and talk to the captain and see what they're doing at any time which was really really interesting as well and, and the captain on our particular cruise was extremely friendly and knowledgeable and informative so it's something that you can't do on, on many, if not most, cruise, cruise lines. So that, that, I thought, was something definitely to do if you, if you cruise Windstar.
0: Gosh, sounds, I've never heard of that before. That's rather fun, actually. <laughs> it is. I mean, we used to be able to go into cockpits of planes. We can't do that anymore. So this is rather nice. We can go onto the bridge on a ship. Absolutely, yeah. It's rather fun. Now, Kerry, as we said, you went to Stockholm, St. Petersburg, and also he- ended up in the Arctic Circle at one point. But could we chat about those destinations? I'm sure there's loads to talk about. So could we chat about those on a separate occasion? I'd
3: love to. Thank you. Well,
0: great. Well, thanks for joining us this evening, and um, we'll chat again soon. Great pleasure. Thanks, Karen. I was chatting there with Kerry Harvey. She's a travel writer, and you can follow her comings and goings and all her doings all over the world. You can have a look at her website. It's kerry-harvey.com, and Kerry is k-e-r-i-harvey.com. And if you'd like to find out more information on cruising on this particular route that we were talking about on the Windstar, as well as many other cruise options, you can have a look at the website. It's cruises.co.za, or you can call them here in South Africa on 0 and that's it for Time to Travel for this week. I'm Karen Key. Thanks for joining me this evening. And a reminder, if you need any information, you can contact me on email, which is travel at safm.co.za or look at the Facebook page, Travel on SAFM. I'll be back again on Monday evening with the Law Report. It's Attorney Nicolene Skuman-Lowe who'll be here and we'll be doing our monthly law clinic. So join me then. Well, it's time now for some nighttime. Music with Stephen.